Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. The first reading is from Isaiah, the seventh chapter. Later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before that child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. The second reading is a reading from Romans. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among these Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to tell all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God, the Father, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Our gospel lesson today comes from the first chapter of Matthew. So this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. 
but he did not have sexual relations with her until after her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You know Christmas is coming when you get this reading, right? Everyone got their Christmas preparations all in order, all their T's crossed, I's dotted, everything's just ready to go. No, me, mine neither. We aren't too far behind, but I mean, it, when you got little ones, you know, you've got a lot of things to do because you want to make sure you're able to see all the family. Grandparents are very specific. They want to see them. All of them do. All the family wants to see each other. Everybody wants to have this great meeting, look like a Norman Rockwell painting. I grew up in Florida, and with, I was one of three boys. I don't know where this idea came of this like picturesque holiday, because usually someone was in trouble for kicking somebody else or yelling at each other at the dinner table because, you know, we're like ones in elementary school, ones in middle school, ones in high school. That's like a perfect cocktail for brother conflict. Um, But yeah, we're all hoping for this. That's the thing that seems to come with the holidays is a deep abiding desire for that picturesque Christmas. Maybe it's the movies that do that to us. Uh, Maybe it's the artwork that's on cards or something that makes us go, man, it'll be so great when we're all wearing sweaters and we're sitting around a table, and everyone's pleased as punch. Nobody has any scandalous things going on in their lives or are going to argue about politics or something like that. In fact, there's been articles written. I remember for Thanksgiving, there were a lot written this year and previous. How do you talk to your family when you hold different political opinions? I'm like, wow, we're really hoping for peace and quiet. Just everyone sit there for the picture, and it'll be perfect. Like a Christmas special or Norman Rockwell painting. Um, Sadly, that's not possible for many reasons for a lot of people. It's barely realistic. The season isn't just full of giddy expectation. Because of these hopes we have, a lot of times the season is surrounded by anxiety and stress that we get it right. Families aren't perfect. They're filled with looming insecurities, topics that we never talk about as a family. Sometimes the guest list isn't fully filled because a conflict of schedules or a literal conflict between people who you've invited to the same table. There are schedules, there are divisions, and sadly, a lot of times we're missing loved ones because that's how life is. Sometimes this will be the first holiday season someone won't be joining you at the table because they've passed on. And we mourn on that day, a day we hoped would be a time of connection and celebration. Some things just don't go as planned. Some things just aren't as beautiful as we hoped for. Sometimes the perfect plan is just out of reach. Much like Joseph today. Joseph, who has a plan, he's going to marry this woman, Mary. Mary is this woman he loves. They are engaged, and I imagine there are a lot of excitement and hopes of what goes along with getting married. He's imagining a life with her. He's imagining his future family with her. But the story, as he finds out, has taken an unexpected turn. There is a child on the way, and that doesn't make a lick of sense considering the state of their relationship. He's a little concerned about how early this is going down. I mean, how? This is a real puzzler. And talk about scandalizing your expectations. This beautiful glimpse of this wedding day dashed. Imagine the distrust, the fear. The mourning he would go through knowing that traditionally this is going to mean the end of this 
perfect picturesque hope he had with Mary. He plans to dismiss her quietly, it says. Thankfully, he's told in this dream that this change of plans is actually the work of God. God is going to change the story and is encouraging him, stick with it. Do not dismiss her. Do not give up. This child is going to change everything. You're part of perhaps the most important story in all of history. This isn't what he hoped for, though, truly. I mean, as good news as it is that an angel told him, don't worry, um, not everybody had that dream. So that means he's going to go on with this with all sorts of speculation and scandal surrounding their relationship. Having a baby before they're married, mm, the neighbors, they're going to talk about this. What's happened over here with Mary and Joseph? Because Joseph isn't known to be some sort of scandal maker. At least it doesn't say that. He appears to be someone upright and decent, a descendant of King David. He had expectations of a wedding and a family of his own. And this isn't what he'd hoped for. Just like that dinner we hope for on Christmas, a nice picturesque Rockwell painting, but sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Life seems to meddle with our plans. But what I think this story says today to people, people who seek to follow this Jesus guy, as Paul says, that people who are going to uh, live their lives as saints, is that when things don't go exactly as planned, when our perfect, pure, picturesque, perfect expectations don't go as planned, folks, that's par for the course. That's how God works. That's how it works all the time. God's way doesn't always sync up with our lovely, scenic, magical, I mean, borderline fairy tale hopes we have for reality. If you need any proof, right before this story is told of Joseph, we hear about the generations leading up to Jesus. Now, Jesus is pretty swell. We like this guy. He's basically perfect. God's hope revealed in the world. God with us. Prince of Peace, Good Shepherd, the hope of all creation. Well, obviously his family line, his lineage is going to be full of perfectly lovely, holy individuals that have never done anything scandalous. Right? You're all skeptical. We're all skeptical. There's no such thing, right? Book of Matthew starts by listing some 40 plus descendants of Jesus. Obviously tracing the lineage all the way back to Abraham through David, fulfilling the prophecy that this child would come from the line of David. Heck, if you need proof that um, his family ain't perfect, just look at David. That should do it. David makes a lot of mistakes. We had our little Advent retreat. Our tweens were very surprised to hear about how many missteps David makes. This lineage, though, it's 40, 40 men, but not 40 women. It takes two to tango, folks. It only includes five women. But the five women it includes, ooh, they are fascinating. They list, of all the women, and there should be 40-some, they list Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah, and Mary. And since all of us went to Sunday school, I'm not going to explain why those people are unique, right? You all know their stories. Nope. Okay, we're going to do it. Just these five, they're unique, and I'll tell you why. Who are these women? Why are they listed? It's pretty surprising because these people are strange characters in the story of God that confirms that God does not work 
perfectly through perfect people, through perfectly holy and upright situations. Tamar, if you remember, was married to one of Judah's sons, and he passed away. So the tradition was, so that she's not left alone, she marries the next son. Well, he passed away too. So she marries the next son, and he passes away too. It's getting kind of (laughs) scary. She hasn't done anything, mind you. I know you're thinking something, but she hasn't. This is terrible. It keeps going, and finally, Judah's like, how about you don't marry any more of them? And she's like, okay, so what? I'm penniless? She's not connected to the family? And that's true. They kind of leave her out. But she's clever. She, in a very, very hmm, scandalous ruse, finds a way to have a child with her father-in-law. Ooh, good one. Yes, scandal to say the least, folks. Rahab, then, was known as the woman who helped Joshua. You remember when they were uh, in exile, when they were walking through an exodus, they conquered Jericho. She was the woman inside of Jericho who let the spies in from Israel. She's literally this first big war hero, and she's not even an Israelite. She's described by scholars as smart, tricky, and unafraid to disobey and deceive her king. Ooh, scandalous. Then we get Ruth. Ruth's story is not so scandalous, but Ruth is also, like Rahab, not an Israelite. She's actually a Moabite. So we can't even claim this perfect blood lineage anymore either of Israelites. Under this story, we have, uh, we have uh, Ruth who helps Naomi, her mother-in-law, and in helping her meets Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth become the parents of Obed, and Obed's the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Perfect connection. And then we have, and it's listed here, it doesn't even say her name, it says, the wife of Uriah. Now you know we're talking about scandal because they won't even say her name. The wife of Uriah, as we know, is Bathsheba. And if you lived in their days, you would have known of Bathsheba Gate. It was all over the news. Bathsheba, as you know, was the wife of Uriah, and David had a scandalous affair with her, was expecting a child, so he sent Uriah off to his death to cover up his terrible deeds so he could marry her and fulfill all righteousness. That's not how it works, David. That's not righteous. Scandal again and again. Then we get Mary. She's having a baby. Who knows how? Scandal after scandal, we're noticing a trend that in the unveiling of God's story, routinely, there is scandal. This is not at all like a Norman Rockwell painting. It's more like real life. Real life. Full of scandal. Full of disappointments. Full of changes in plans. Life, as it is, oftentimes full of mourning that things didn't come to pass that we hoped would come to pass. Life of mourning for things that happened that we hoped wouldn't, things that were lost. But life also is well full of celebration for the surprising ways we encounter a better way than we could have ever hoped. Life at times that's guided by the Spirit. And life at times that often we feel afflicted by our own feelings of inadequacy, failure, shame, embarrassment. Life as it is. Life as we see it, life as God saw it when God decided to come down to be with us. With us, 
now. With us now. Not some perfect version of us, some fairy tale version of us, but how we are. Warts and all. Scandals and all. Folks, that's what Joseph is realizing about all of this, as God is coming down to this family, even with their history, to bless the world. God responds to this world of scandal and of striving and arguing and fighting and says, I love you. I'm coming down there. I'm not done with you yet. And more than that, I'm going to do these things I've promised from the beginning of time. I'm going to do them with you. That's what Joseph is hearing. That's what Mary is hearing. That's what we hear from these messengers of God. Emmanuel will mean with us. So for those of you in this season, wondering, how do we honor this time appropriately? For those of you who may be nervous, I hope this thing goes off without a hitch if you've got family coming in town. If you've got that looming insecurity about conflicts, shame, fear, know this. Honoring this time is not about doing it perfectly. It has nothing to do with it. It isn't about the meal plan, the menu. It isn't about the seating arrangements or the perfect gift. It's not that this day be scandal-free and perfectly pleasant, quaint dinner conversations. It's something else entirely. It's about meeting the world as it is with love, with mercy, with grace, with joy and understanding and a desire as people of this way, to be in it. Not to stand back and criticize it. Be in it for the sake of the world. Be in it for the sake of our neighbors. It's like Jesus seeing a world in need of binding up and saying, I'm going to do the work of healing. It's seeing a world full of division and saying, I will face it with love. I will not face this with judgment. And I will be a person of peace. I will facilitate peace. It's seeing a world full of judgment and demonization and dehumanization of our brothers and sisters. And like Jesus saying, I will not fall into the trap of scapegoating in judgment of piling sins on my neighbor. I will be an arbitrator among people. And I will be a force of radical hospitality. And those on the outside will be brought in close and told, you are loved. You are welcome here. And I am with you. Love, mercy, and grace. To model Jesus by meeting a world full of challenges, full of imperfections, and saying, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to model grace. That's unmerited favor. I'm going to model forgiveness. That's saying, I will not carry the sins of my neighbor or hold them against him. It's modeling mercy. Saying, though it is within my power to punish, I will not. And most of all, we're going to love as much as we can in the midst of it. Love it for what it is. Perfect. Perfectly imperfect. Because God is with us. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. 
please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.